What's up, guys? This is Geo. This is Bub. Welcome to Geek vs. Geek, episode 25. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. You. God, um, why? Maybe why? I lied to you before we started the show just to mess with you. I mean... You, you enjoy watching me squirm. I, 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 yeah, Look, I both of us squirm on this episode every single time. But yes, we're definitely on episode 25. But um, <laughs> it's not just you. I mean, yeah, I don't I think it's a big deal because when they download the episode, it's going to be correct regardless. So mm. whatever we say in the beginning of the show doesn't really matter. This is Man. true, but I just I, at this point it's just become part of the um part of the the experience, I guess. Um so <laughs> and you're right, I'm the only one that like does that, but mm. doesn't matter. So what's up, dude? Not much, dude. What's going on with you, man? Oh, just hanging around the house, man. They cut my hours, so. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And then this weekend, if you're in the in the uh, greater Mississippi, uh, Brandon Jackson area, it is a Second Amendment tax-free weekend. So. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Y'all have this kind of bullet. No. I, th I think I think they stopped selling lead balls hundreds of years ago. <laughs> you can't have my lead balls. <laughs> They're not for sale. Yeah, why, where do y'all keep the rocket launchers and the howitzers? We don't sell those, sir. Well, I saw on your website that you do. I'm just trying to see if you have any in stock before I come down there. No, sir. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, these are the people that I deal with on a daily basis. Or semi-daily, daily basis. Some are more fun than others. But the point is, you know, it is a, a God give it what it is a constitutional right that we should all uh, cherish. It is, it, it is a right we we're born with. So you had it right. It is a God given right. I'm having microphone issues. This stand is. I got this stand. Uh, because uh, I play guitar. So it allows me to have the microphone. Uh, it's one. It's a boom style. Mm -hmm. So I'm not on my high. Um, it's a boom style, but it's on a tripod. And there's no way you can set the thing where it's balanced. It's always wanting to fall over. It needs four legs instead of three. Ah, uh, okay. 
kind of leaned up against my desk, so maybe that'll. It's like how many? Let's see. Let's make a microphone stand with as little material as possible and still call it a microphone stand. Um, that's one of the reasons why when I got a desk mic, I was I was actually very grateful that it just. It's a flat surface. Flat surface. Yes, I know. He makes fun of everything I say and do. It's just so unique, man. <laughs> pause like Polly Shore. And it's, I only noticed it in the last few months or so that that's what, what it reminds me of. Especially when I listen back to the show. It's like I'm hanging because you'll stop in mid-sentence. You'd be like, I hate it when things go bad, and then I have to think about, you know, and I'm like, say it! What is it? <laughs> yeah, and I was but... trying to think who that reminded me of, and I was thinking of Polly Shore, and I was like, damn, he he, reminds, he does the same thing Polly Shore does. I know it's not something you can help. I know it's a neurological thing, but still, it's noticeable. Because <laughs> it reminded me of somebody, and I couldn't think of who it was for a long time. And then it hit me. Oh, it's Polly. Polly Shore does that pause thing. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything in particular you want to start with tonight? Um, well, oh, there's nothing in particular. Because we, we, I do have some things going on that kind of surprised me a little bit, but okay. Well, you know, you know about them. I mean, we don't have to talk. <clears throat> just uh it seems like uh, i've kind of uh been presented with a different path in life right now and i'm at a crossroads so mm-hmm. well it's pretty cool so should yeah. i talk about it if you want to are you interested you think the people would be yeah well uh, i'm part of it so you yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> okay, well, um, as maybe one or two of you know, uh, I'm, I consider myself somewhat of a musician. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of, I think it's funny, but I think a lot of things are funny. Um, in my attempt to motivate Geo to present the world with his vocal ability uh i decided to write a few songs and do the vocals myself you know sing sing the vocal track you know write the lyrics and everything you know and i don't consider myself a singer at all um i hate the way i sound when i sing it does i just it's almost like nails on a chalkboard but in, like I said, as a good friend would do, I did it to help motivate Gio because, unlike me, I feel like he does have a good singing voice. He's just got some hurdles right now that he's trying to to jump over, and it's I'm I'm kind of I I on the one hand I understand, and then on the other hand I'm like, come on, dude, like we don't have time to sit here and 
you know, we're getting older and time's already flown behind us. And we're just now starting to do a lot of things we talked about for 10 or 15 years. And it's like, you know, what is the holdup? Come on. But then the other part of me is like, you know, I get it. I was there at one time, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm kind of trying to motivate Geo to just jump out of whatever, you know, what on my, my point of view. I'm not saying this is the correct point of view. I'm saying from my point of view, it just seems like, you know, every time I present a solution, another excuse comes up as to why he can't do this. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to sing around my parents. Oh, I don't know how to use the software. Oh, you know, and like I said, I'm not saying that's accurate. I'm just saying, you know, because of my impatience, that's what it what it feels like, you know. So I, I did the vocals on a few of these tracks to say, hey, look, you know, don't be embarrassed because my ass can't sing at all. And here it is. I'm doing it. So you can. So if you, if you can, if I'm willing to do it, certainly you can. You know, it's kind of my thinking there. So. But little did I know, a few of these tracks would get um, um, attention because, you know, I'd share them because what's the point in doing this to show to show you that there's no, it's not a big deal. If I'm not, if I'm just going to keep it, nobody's going to hear it, you know. So, like, here, I wanna, I'm going to sing this song. I'm going to put it out there just to show you, hey, what's the worst that can happen? Nobody's laughed at me yet. Nobody's discouraged me. Um, and uh, I've got nothing but praise. So, you know, that kind of motivated me to do a few more. Well, I did this one song the other night, and it kind of just, I was sitting around, it was dark, it was the middle of the night. Uh, I couldn't go to sleep after you and I got off the phone. And I was just itching because I had a, uh, I was kind of playing this chord progression. It was kind of, it was reminding me it was late. It was raining. And it, it just kind of, this chord progression just kind of felt like it wasn't the one that wound up on the song, but it's just kind of this gloomy. I just felt like, wow, it just felt like, you know, death was right around the corner. Like it was just gloom. I felt that, that, that sense of hopelessness, you know, now I was conscious of it. You know, I wasn't like, Oh, I want to go kill myself. It's like, wow. You know, last 20 years went by pretty quick. The next 20 is right around the corner, man, you know, and it's raining outside and, and, and every time I think about the passage of time, I think about a train. Going from point A to point B. Like like our life path is a set of railroad tracks. And we're, we're just going along the tracks to the next stop. You know. And in the blues world. Trains are very prevalent. Because that's how a lot of your old bluesmen traveled from one location to the other. They, they would hop a freight train in Hobo. Uh, not many people know this, but the word hobo means is, is a shortened compound word. It's shortened down from homeward bound. So a lot of the hobos that are still out there today um, don't want to be called vagrants. They don't prefer to be called 
tramps. Tramp is different than a hobo. Even though they may hop trains, a hobo is way different. But a lot of your bluesmen were hobos. You know, they're traveling, earning a little scratch here and there, trying to get back home or just making the rounds, you know. So in blues music, trains are very prevalent, obviously. Now, when I sing, and I can't help this, but it has a folky country sound to it. Um, so even if I play blues or rock and I sing to that, it's going to sound folky country, <laughs> you know. And I hate Bob Dylan with a passion. So I really don't like hearing myself because I hear Bob Dylan every time I sing. Uh, and I know you probably have a different opinion, and that's fine. I hope you, I hope you do. Uh, his his early stuff, like his like his first three albums, I was like, wow, this guy's pretty, you know. And then his voice completely changed. You're speaking of Bob Dylan, not yes. Me. And uh, <laughs> like you, like we always uh, laugh. You know, it sounds like he's <laughs> constipated. <laughs> um, now, as it relates to you, I have to admit that for years I was kind of, you know, I was like everybody else at one point. I was like, okay, this is cool. And this fits in. This doesn't fit in any box, you know, that you can, that you can. But for, Label. A long, but for a long time, I kind of felt like you wanted it to. Well, I mean, um, I'll exp- from my perspective, I mean, I was playing around one day. We were on the phone. This was years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, you left to go do something. And I was holding on the phone. I just playing around. I started singing War Pigs by Black, Black Sabbath. And you come back to the phone and you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, wow. And, and I'm like, uh, and I don't hear my voice the way everybody else hears it. It doesn't sound that way in my ears. It doesn't, even with the headphones, I can't hear what everybody else hears. So I don't know. Um, I know the headphones are supposed to, you know, if you have it adjusted right, you're supposed to be able to hear how it sounds or whatever. There's the Polish Shore moment right there, just as an example. Um, but I have resisted because I, I, I just, um, I get self-conscious, self-conscious about things and I'm, you know, and you've presented me with music, and I'm I'm sitting there listening to stuff, and I'm going, okay, where where would I fit? How how would this go? Um, and I'm like, okay, how would I put lyrics to this? How would this sound? What you know? What would I try to look at it as as like any musician would? Like it doesn't come, it doesn't come naturally to me. It's not easy for me. And that kind of bothers me because that's kind of what I was just thinking. I'm like, wow, you're overthinking everything, at least from my approach. Mm-hmm. Now, some some songwriters slash musicians 
uh, they do spend a lot of time, and they use words like craft and sculpting and uh, shit that I don't use in my own vocabulary, you know, because if you work with clay, you sculpt. If you build a basket, you're crafting. If you're acting or a musician, there's no craft to it. It's just, you're acting or you're playing music. Um, but those types of people, like your Neil Youngs, who who speak to about themselves in the third person, like you know, um, or speak about their music in the third person, they're, they're weird about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh they they would put a lot of work into writing songs and stuff but me um i feel inspired i've got to sit down get it out get it recorded if i'm going to record it right then and there or it's gone mm-hmm. and once i record it i kind of have it captured in a bottle mm-hmm. and then i can play with it and perfect it and and I feel the same way about lyrics and other things. Um, it's just, I just am never near a place where I can, I, oftentimes I'll use my phone to speak lyrics or, or um, jot down an idea and it will only be like a small snippet of something. It doesn't come like a full fledged thought. Um, now you've played, you've put some of my, you know, some of my spoken word stuff to some of your music, um, and you're the one that suggested this, I think. Um, yeah, because yeah, I, I did suggest, and and it's worked out fairly well. I haven't done as much as I want. I, I'm trying to work up to right now. It's only about a minute and change per, um. But um, I'm trying to work up to two minutes, three minutes. Um, I don't know if I could go seven minutes, you know, like some of your larger, uh, you know, your your big progressive type uh, music. Try to think of a story you want to tell and just record the story. You know, don't think of it as lyrics. Think of it. That's what I do. And that's one of like uh, the long road home, the song I'm talking about that I just recorded the other night. Um, I had a theme in my mind. I had a, a vision, if you will, of how I felt. I didn't think about a song. I, I just recorded what, a, you know, it was a, it's kind of wasn't train themed. But it was kind of, it was a road, you know, we're walking down a road. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm, I still feel like I, I got a lot to accomplish, you know, but I kind of feel like death is knocking. It's right behind me, you know, and I feel like God's saying, hurry up, you, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm not going to listen to God right now. I'm going to ignore death on my back. And I'm just going to keep walking. You know, I might come back. I might not, you know, because it ain't up to me in the end of it. You know, that's my attitude as, as that song progresses, you know. 
And, uh, you know, that's my advice. Like I said, I'm no songwriter. But songs I have written seem to be very popular. And I've, I've, I post my really good stuff to SoundCloud just as a place to share things, you know. And uh, the last couple times I've posted new music up there, um, I've, you know, promoters have reached out to me. And a couple of them were spam. It's like, I know, they, they're probably just, anytime they detect a new upload, they're going to reach out, you know, hand you their business card. But a few of them were legit. Like, you know, um, wow, this is, you know, I really feel like this is unique. This will get a lot of airtime on internet radio. Or, you know, if you've got anything more, you know, come hit me up. And I've inboxed a few of them and talked about it just to see, you know, because I'm always, my, my, what do you call it? My, uh, my scam radar goes off. It's, it's set to sensitive. And I can, I can tell when somebody's BSing me or not. And, uh, so I'll feel them out, you know, if I, if I, if they're not immediately obviously scamming. Or up to something, I'll reach out and then, you know, I'll I'll determine from that point if it's legit or not. And about half of them been legit, you know. I feel like, you know, I've been approached probably one or two songs have probably gotten about ten or fifteen responses from promoters, and about half of those are legit. So I'd say about five or six promoters are really looking at a couple of my songs. And obviously they want more. I mean, you know, I'm trying not to sing here. I'm the one trying to play. My ultimate goal is to have a band together, use the front man, and me just sitting in the background playing the bass. That's, that's all I want to do. I want to be on stage and I want to perform. But I don't want to be in the front. I don't want the spotlight on me. I don't want to do the lead solos. I don't want to be Eddie Van Halen. I just want to hold the bass line down, chillax with the drummer, and just have fun and play music and create music. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we're operating with, when you do stuff like that, we're operating with drum machines. I want to find, like... No, I'm not doing drum machines. It's not a drum machine. It's not like a Roland 909. Well, no, right? but it's it's software-based. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's software-based, and a lot of folks have asked me, who's my drummer? Because they've been impressed with the drum track, and I'm like, really? The robot is is, is who you're impressed with? Uh, which which you know, is so, kind of... It's kind of like you're you you can't tell if that's a that's a okay. You could tell because you know, but if you don't, well, know. no. If I didn't, even if I didn't know that that was soft, I wouldn't. You know, I've been in been to enough concerts and stuff to know what actual drummers sound like. Um, yeah, when they play live, but in the studio, like um, you isolate Don Henley's stuff. I mean, he sounds like a robot. Um, not not someone I would. Uh, he's not one of my favorite. As a singer, he's good, but as a drummer, I don't. Never thought he was. 
kind of like Keith Rich, Keith Richards to me, which I have more respect for now than I used to, but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, plus musicians now are all of a sudden like, um, the older they get, they're trying to pad their nest eggs, people that we grew up with, you know, listening to, um, are, are understandably scared in this environment that we're in, um, it's, it's interesting and we're, on the you're on the the verge of of getting into something that you and I have talked about for years but I just never knew if we would ever actually do anything with it and what is that you're speaking code again um well putting a band together and singing and recording and going on oh. you know oh. doing all that kind of stuff um i mean i've never been in a club um, or a bar, or not to play music anyway. I um, could do it right now if I wanted to. I got two or three avenues into the local club scene right now. If I had something together, I could do it. But I don't have anything. I'm not going up there by myself. You got to be crazy. <laughs> I could. I could. I've been invited to. I, I could, but I'm not. Well, um, the other part of the problem is I live I live in a completely different state than you do, so it'd be kind of hard for me to, you know. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's that. I mean, yeah, I mean, but I'm I'm of the to the point to where it's like, okay, man, you you do what you got to do. You you know, I'm just trying to be is encouraging because there was a time when I wasn't very encouraging and you let me know about it, you know, <laughs> and this is why, because, you know, um, that era we'll call it. Um, I did not understand because, um, I knew the potential I had in myself or maybe not then, but I knew there was potential there. And, um, you've always approached things like, um, we've talked about it that in order to be a friend or an honest friend that uh, you would call it what was the word constructive criticism you couldn't just compliment somebody you had to give them some kind of constructive criticism because you felt like you were being honest and you were being helpful and uh, I had a real issue with that for a long time because uh, I know my shortcomings. I don't need you to point them out or anybody. What I need is encouragement and support. So, hey, you know, it's like somebody asked me a long time. I sent them a song that I'd finished. I was impressed with it. And they turn around and ask me. And they, and they were trying to be complimentary. They, they had no clue what they said was an insult. They thought they were being 100% encouraging, but they asked me, so have you thought about getting lessons? I'm, I'm like, I just spent like weeks on this song, recorded every track on it, and you just asked me if I thought about getting lessons. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's real encouraging. Well, some people don't don't look at music the way you do. I don't look at music the way. I mean, we share some of the same philosophies about stuff, but um, I tend to look at. And I've discovered this over the years. I tend to look at it from a person who just turns on the radio or buys a CD. Because most people, if you're even uh, even today in today's digital age, what are they going to do? They go to iTunes or they go to Spotify. Or YouTube. Or YouTube. And they're looking around, and the first thing they see is a piece of cover art. They're not looking at songs. They're not looking at anything. They're just, you know, titles of songs, whatever. They're just, oh, this is interesting. What is this? And um, they they may play a few, you know, play a few bars of your song. If it doesn't grab them within, I'm going to say, a minute to a minute and a half, if that long, sometimes it's less. Because um, we as a society have gotten to the point to where we don't have attention spans anymore. You know, okay. we can't yeah. sit, we can't sit still and, and like... That's why TikTok exists, I think. Because people instead that's of where, that's where know. reels came from and YouTube shorts and Yeah. You know, one minute videos. Well, that's it. That's all they can handle. Yeah. Um if you, if you can't grab their attention within the first minute to a minute and a half, you're not gonna grab them. Um so there's that. And then some people are like, oh, you know, like uh, I've heard some of the you've told me some of the people that are, are into this. Oh, that's a really awesome guitar. And this, that, you know, and, and this is you should do this. And, and I'm kind of like, you know, more power to at this point. I'm like more power to you, man. You do you, you know, as you've told me quite often. I mean, I I know you want me to sing. Um, I'm just not as confident as I should be at this point in my life because I haven't been doing this. I haven't been, you know, singing or doing anything for years. And so I'm picking this up and trying to run with this ball, not really knowing what I'm doing. Well, he tells us this, but he's not telling y'all that he used to go karaoke quite a bit back in the day every like every once in a while i mean i had one lady i went i went to a bar with some friends one night karaoke bar yeah man and i I decided i was gonna do metallica's inner sandman okay so i get up there and i do play the part Mm. i dropped the microphone fell off the dead gum stage turned the microphone off because I fell, because um, I was nervous or whatever. Well, I get yeah, back. There, I get back up there, turn the microphone back on, finish the song, and the first person that runs up to me is this old, this sweaty, uh, uh, drunk lady <laughs> who tells me yeah. I have a beautiful voice. And I'm going, man, you could have went home with her that night, man. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Just saying, man. Yeah, but 
Um, that's a whole different ball of wax, which I won't get into. But uh, just saying, man. I I know. And I've done it a couple. Of, I've done War Pigs karaoke. Mm-hmm. I've done, you know, and I've had people. You've got the voice for it. Do it. You know, no, go ahead. Get me. Hey, hey, what have I told you? You don't well, know me. Um. So I'm not the only person that's told yeah, you. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you're uh, not the okay, only person. Right, okay. Right. Okay. First of all, none of my none of my my family don't get, count. Okay. Really? No. <laughs> I mean, because if, 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 cause you can sit there and play and your dad will be like, yeah, you know, not mine. Yeah, I can conjure my dad out of the barn <laughs> if, if he hears the Marshall crank up, man, you know, like he'll just show up out. Uh, don't stop on my account. He'll just ease in. But my dad's a metalhead, too. Yours isn't. No, you're talking about someone that we were driving down the. I was going to. He's taking me to work one day, and Led Zeppelin's. Uh, what is it? Wasn't a whole lot of love. It was. Um, Dazed and confused. Um. Hot dog. Rock. It was and either roll, no. Um. Yeah. Cashmere. Uh, rock and rock and roll. Uh, uh, been a long time. Since, you know. Yeah, rock um, and roll. Yeah. And. Uh, He's like, who is this? I'm like, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> who, who's Led Zeppelin? Oh my god! Really? Yeah. Who's yeah. Who's Led? Ze- um, they were without Led Zeppelin, there would be no rock and roll to an extent. No, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that. Far. Well, I mean, like, there wouldn't be like um, without Chuck Berry, there wouldn't be any rock. You know, rock and roll. and roll. But yeah. But my dad, when we were growing up, all they ever played was George Jones, Tammy Wynette, mm-hmm. George Strait, mm-hmm. um, Tanya Tucker, Travis Barbara Strait. Mandrell. Um, it's a good country right there. Yeah. Like all that, you know, Crystal Gale, you know, all that 80s uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. country. Dolly Parton. uh Dolly Parton, Waylon Jennings. No, we didn't have any Waylon Jennings records. <laughs> Willie. Oh, didn't Willie. Have any, didn't have any Willie records either. My dad thinks he's a dopehead. He is a dopehead. <laughs> so? <laughs> uh, wow, good observation, Mr. Morris. That was... <laughs> Oh. A very astute observation, I might add. I mean, a dude's the only person that can outsmoke Snoop Dogg. He, he, he's he's certified at this point. Yep. That's funny. My dad thinks he's a dope pet. <laughs> Case closed. Uh, that's settled. <laughs> yeah, but I uh, mean. Yeah, my dad didn't li- didn't listen to. Ro- my mom was a little more open minded. She ain't gonna listen to metal, but um, you know, like uh, Footloose, the Footloose soundtrack, eighties, eighties pop, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, or old old songs like the fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Uh, Isley Brothers, the Everly Brothers, mm-hmm. Otis, Otis Redding, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, that's pretty. My mom listened to everything. She listened to Judas Priest, Led Zeppelin, jazz, country. My dad's primarily just metal. Um, As and my dad is 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 pretty much. Uh, so all, nowadays they'll both listen to whatever you know the modern country radio station, which I think is a joke. <laughs> um, my dad will to, to force my father to listen to country is like kryptonite to Superman. Uh, he loses all his abilities <laughs> and his strengths, and will complain and whine until the channel has changed. Well, Mom, she yeah, she'll, one of her favorite songs is "You Got Another Thing Coming" by Judas Priest, and uh, but she also listens to um, <sighs> not Loretta Lynn, Patsy Cline, but mm. she listens to Loretta Lynn too. But Patsy Cline's one of her favorite. I mean, she just listens to everything: jazz, blue. Um, it's good music. She'll, yeah, she'll talk. my dad, my mom, and dad are not really jazz people um i kind of came to jazz on my own i mean everybody knows like frank sinatra and he's probably the one that mostly gets recognized mm. but um i remember going to a going to see a movie with my mom one time and uh it was a mel gibson movie uh, mel gibson and uh helen hunt um what women want and uh, I just, the soundtrack, like it had a lot of Frank Sinatra and I didn't really care for the Christine Aguilera songs as much, but I mean, I love the Frank Sinatra stuff. And I was like, I really, I want the sound. It's like, well, go get it. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, she, you know, nowadays all they listen to is just the modern country radio station and it all sounds the same. And it all, just, I'm like, who buys this crap? And then they're trying to break into other genres and it just, it fails miserably. Um, they, uh, some of them have tried to do rap. <laughs> and it, I'm like, ugh. Um. Yeah, man. So yeah, I, I I definitely you and I lean towards kind of similar music in terms of uh, you know, what we like and don't like. Yeah, man. Uh, what was it the other day? I I, sh- I shared with you was it Coco? Um, Coco Taylor. Yeah, and I come across that. Like, I've heard of her before, but I come across it every once in a while, and I'm like, wow. You know, um, that there was a lot of stuff that I've never even heard of, and I've, I've been doing this for the last couple of years, going back and finding all this old music that, you know, um, were, that you didn't know that a lot of, a lot of musicians took, um, like, Led Zeppelin um were based on blues they were really in, heavily influenced by the blues 
In fact, uh, When the Levee Breaks, which is one of their most famous songs, is actually a cover. Which I most didn't know of their until. music is covers. Um, most of them. Well, a lot, most of the early stuff, I'll say. Um, but Van Halen, Van Halen was like that too. If you look, go to any Van Halen record, watch any Van ha- or listen to any Van Halen record, there's like at least two or three songs on any given Van Halen record that's a cover. <laughs> That's Especially because of, that's because of David Lee Roth. That's not anything that the Van Halen brothers wanted to be a part of. The cover songs were all David Lee Roth. He grew. He wanted to do that Motown, um, you know, R and B stuff, and that that's one of the reasons he got booted. Because um, I think Diver Down was like half covers, mm-hmm. and they they were like, oh. because they had a lot of new music. Eddie was prolific about writing music, and he had a lot of music. Even to this day, most of it's been unreleased. It's just sitting on tapes on shelves in Fifty One Fifty Studio. But Dave kept wanting to do these cover songs, and you know. Uh, that was a that was a big big um, split between Roth and because uh, if you notice when Hagar came came around they didn't do any cover songs when Hagar came around it was all new music and that's when they started charting real well too so I think their first well Jump was a hit but after that um, you know I think. They they had more chart success with Hagar than they did with with Roth. Yep, I agree. I, I mean, but, it's fact. It was. I mean, you agree? Yeah. With not, but. I'm not looking forward to the day when somebody's going to want to do a biopic on Van Halen because <laughs> it's it's not going to be pretty. I can't imagine. Could it be any worse than the Motley Crue biopic? I don't know. You told me that was pretty cool. so It was pretty cool. So you didn't watch it? No, I haven't gotten around to it. I have a list of movies to watch oh, about as oh. long as my freaking arm. So, Talk to me about Wild and Crazy after you see the Motley Crue biopic. <laughs> And then we'll talk about how how Van Halen's might go. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, just watch the first five minutes. If you're not, if you can't dedicate any more time to it than that, the first ten minutes, and then then you'll know what I'm talking about because it just goes downhill from there. <laughs> but it's a great movie, though. If you like Motley Crue, it's very accurate. Um, depiction of their life back then. I'm surprised most of them are still standing. Nikki Six being the most. <laughs> and he died like twice, I think, according to his book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, he, and if and if he, anything happened to him, there goes the band. He's the primary songwriter. It's his band. Mm-hmm. 
really start to understand if you read his books um the relationship he has with his mother is his mother is awful of course she denies any wrongdoing but his mother's awful um uh okay he he, he legally changed his name to Nikki Six to when he was 15 uh, to distance himself from his mother. Um, then he, 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 um, yeah, his mom was just, just a real bad person. I don't think he really knew his dad. His mom dated Richard Pryor for like two or three weeks. That was something I found interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, wow. And he said, Richard, for those two or three weeks, was a better parent to him than than his birth parents than his mom ever was, because he remembers Richard wanting to hang out with him and spend time with him. His mom just kind of brushed him off and shit. And it was, I kind of feel like it may have been something to come between the two. Well, that's why it didn't last that long. But he never really said. He just remembers they dated for a couple of weeks, and because mm-hmm. um, she wasn't famous or anything, she was she was uh, she was strung out half the time, and that that was probably more to it than anything as to why. Gotcha. Uh, she wasn't a great parent, but you read the books of the. See, that's where I come from. You learn about the musicians that created the music that you love. You understand their music even more because you know where that music's coming from, what place in their life or what. Like Roger Waters, I don't agree with a lot of things he does politically or believes in politically, but a lot of his music's autobiographical. Excuse me. A lot of his music's autobiographical and um, tells a story of his perspective in life. And I get it. I understand. You know, but I just disagree with him. You know, it's hard to be one of the richest band, a founding member of one of the richest bands in the world and call yourself socialist. Um, it just seems hypocritical to me. It's like one of the main problems I have with Tom Morello. Tom Morello is like, you know, fight the good fight, you know, stick it to the man. But he's raking in millions of dollars doing it. You know, it's like you're not a struggling musician anymore, Tom. You know, don't dress like you are. Don't act like you are with your aviator sunglasses and your guitar strap. It's way too short. Uh, it really doesn't look good when you're successful and you're still trying to relate to people who are struggling. You're not fighting for us anymore. If you would, you'd share that money. If you were a socialist, you'd distribute your money amongst the poor. That's what you believe in. Why don't you do that? It's like, you know, it's like I tell anybody that starts talking about taxes, okay? I'm one of these people, like like, like Ron Paul, who believe that taxes and licenses are unconstitutional. You shouldn't have to have a license to even drive a car. What's the point? You know, what's the point of having a license to drive a car? It's control. Okay. And uh, I just think that's unconstitutional. I think taxes are unconstitutional. I mean, we've, 
we um we started a revolution over taxes on the tea and uh well that's not what started that's what sparked it i'll say is um you know we were being heavily taxed on tea uh coming around coming from from england our mother country and we had no say so in the government you know we had nobody represented the colonies in england and we were being taxed to death on this tea we had enough and uh so the constitution was founded with that in mind you know so i happen to believe taxes are unconstitutional and having said that um Where's that going with this? Tom Morello. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, whenever somebody starts talking about taxes, I come back with, you don't need a law to pay more taxes. You can volunteer to pay more. So, while you're talking about raising taxes, you don't have to force me to. You can just volunteer to pay more yourself if that's what you want to do. If you believe that's going to solve a problem, and, and don't force me to pay more taxes, volunteer to pay more yourself. Like Trump I, overpaid. Uh, yeah, when I've they finally it. got a hold of his tax records, they 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 did nothing but find out he overpaid his taxes. They yeah, I'm sure I, they were going to bust him on. I've that. seen, I've seen, I've listened to actors like Ben, or uh, not Ben Affleck, Mac Damon. It's like. Uh, He's he's said many times, you know, I'd pay more. Like I like Matt Damon. I do too. I I I think he's one of the few Hollywood people that tries to be real. Like he defended the flyover states, you, you know, when he did that movie, um just a real good movie. What's that water what's that? What's uh, deep deep uh oh uh God, what was the name of that movie? Deep Water. I think that was it. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Well, when he did that movie, he he said he, you know, he got a perspective on how people like his character think and and you know, he never said he agreed or disagreed, but what I like about it is he understood them. You know, he he appreciated the fact that they had a voice and uh you know, coming from Hollywood and understanding a blue-collar oil worker at least where he's coming from, you know, that meant a lot to me because my dad was in the coal industry. It's similar. It's a lot of work, not a lot of pay for the most part, and uh, it's dirty. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people appreciate, you know, you hear politicians talking about no more coal, no more coal, and here's my dad putting food on the table by bringing coal out of the ground. And... It's like that's the only thing my dad ever knew was the coal industry. So, are you you take that away? He he wouldn't have known what to do. I mean, other than that, I mean, he was in the coal mines from the time he was eighteen until he retired, fifty something years. I mean, you know, the whole time he and my mom were married, he was in the coal industry. You know, so. To take that away is to my dad's and ultimately my eyes. You're robbing food from his table. 
Well, see, right now they all think, oh, well, you just need to get, we just need to get green, green union jobs, which is like a contradiction in terms. Well, you know, here's another thing about unions. Unions <laughs> are corruptible. Yes. Now, my dad taught me that um, coming from the coal mines. And and he's got no no problem with the workers that the, the union workers. It's it's the administration of that union that gets corrupted, you know, because when he started in the coal mine, uh, you have you hired on union, you know, you're not a mine workers, and you got to pay due out of your paycheck. You get representation in this. Uh, but um, he uh, he was welding teeth on shear heads, and he realized that he could do more than than they were doing per shift. So he did what he could do, what he felt comfortable doing. He was he was eighteen years old. He's fresh out of high school. He had a lot of energy, and he he felt like he could weld these 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 teeth. Pretty good. He could do double what they were supposed to do. Well, when he did that, after his first shift, he got called into the union rep's office. And he said, you do six, um, you do six per shift. That's it. No more. And he's like, I could do way more than six. And union rep's like, no, don't do any more than six. So, next available company job, my dad bid on it and got it. He's, he hadn't been in the union since. He's like, you know, unions are designed to prevent productivity, not encourage it. You know, why, why restrict hard work? Why prevent? If you can do it, why not do it? You know, it was his attitude. And he's prevented from working as hard as he could because union rules, you know. Yeah, that's, what I, that's why I'm kind of perplexed by some of these kids that are working for Starbucks. And I think there's one in one store in, in uh, one Apple store that wanted to do it. Um, because of that, they, they can hide behind the union. Mm-hmm. Which I've heard stories about how, you know, how uh, hard it is to work at an Apple store in terms of pressure and stuff. I mean, it's got to be because any store you walk into, like there's a store here um, that I took take my computer to. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, you walk in there and, and there's like, the way they have their stores designed, I don't see how people can fit in there. <laughs> Um, I know there's a reason for it, and I forget exactly what it what it's supposed to be. I mean, it would make sense. Like it's designed so you can see all their products, or you're drawn to their their machines or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the genius bar is at the very back of the store. Well, you can walk up, and there's nobody at the genius bar. Oh, uh, you're not your appointment's not till blah 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 blah. Wait around for. A minute or whatever, and, and we'll get to you. When, but I'm here. Why can't you? There's nobody else here. Nobody else is. Why? Well, you're just not tough here. Okay. 
Um, but uh, apparently the all pressure, these cell phone stores are like that. Um, all your, you know, apparently the pressure is so great in these stores. I don't know what their demands are. I've never tried to work at an Apple store or a cell phone store, but I'm guessing it has to do with sales, you know, pushing product and stuff. But all retail boils down to that. It all has to do with sales. And the weird thing is, um, in the environment that we're in, you can push and push all you want to. Customers probably not going to bite unless they really, really need it. Now you have your stragglers that are like, no matter what, you know, um, but it's just, it's just a different environment now that I thought we would never see. (laughs) Um, but you know, gas is down. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It'll probably skyrocket again at some point, <laughs> and it'll probably be worse than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, got one side telling you everything's great, but everybody else, everybody else who can who can really see something is like, no, it isn't. <laughs> Just everybody feels lied to at this point, and they're unified. Biden's a one-term president; he's gonna go down in history, and and you know, history will not shine on him very well. Nope. And uh, that's fine. You know, they're, he'll he'll have his defenders, and. Uh, they know who they are, and uh, they're just—they'll be wrong, like they're wrong now. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I don't you care. Play, you point out their I, hypocrisy or whatever. They're like, "Well, no, you're blah blah blah." <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, you know, people engage, and they want to engage me as a Republican Democrat argument, and. Uh, I don't look at it as Republican or Democrat because I'm, I'm I voted both ways most of my life, and I've you know some some of those votes I regret, some of them I don't. Like I really don't feel like I had a choice when it came to Bush, even though I voted for him. I really didn't feel like you know I really don't feel like that was um, a good president. Although, when he was governor of Texas, I was, like, all for him. That's why I voted for him. But um, didn't really like his vice presidential candidate or pick or whatever. (laughs) And I really didn't like how he handled the presidency after 9-11. And the fact that 9-11 happened while he was president bothered me. He he Uh, He got a pass, though. You ever noticed that? I don't know. I, I remember my dad saying, "Well, you can say whatever you want to about him, but he's nobody's ever had to deal with what he deal what he dealt with." Like, I would argue because he, you know, you know, nobody. I mean, nobody's let it happen before. I mean, you, you no. know, um, 
And they, they, if you believe the straight up story of 9 11 or not, I mean, I'm not going to get into that now, but Either. if you feel like there was a conspiracy or if you feel like what they told us was the truth, irregardless of which side of the fence you're on, the government knew something was up. Okay. They, the CIA and the fucking NSA and all these secret letter organizations, they heard the rumors. They knew there was a plan in play. They may not knew exactly what was going to happen. They knew something was up. And uh, the fact they did nothing to prevent it um, just blows my mind. They just let it happen. And um, whether that was irresponsibility or by design, I don't know. I mean, I have my suspicions, but like I said, I'm not going to get into that now. I don't really feel like there's the platform for that right now. Mm-hmm. But um, irregardless of how you come out on that, you know, uh, the fact remains is they knew something was about to happen. They may not have had details. They may not have had exact times and dates. But they knew enough to where they could have prepared. Uh, they could have prepared for it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't. They they just they just ignored it and let it happen. Now, whether that was intentional, okay, I've heard that. Or you think they caused it, okay, I've heard that. Like I said, I have my opinions, but it doesn't matter because it's very, the very bottom line is they knew something was going to happen. Yeah, I always and, felt the same. I always felt the same way about Pearl Harbor. Like, okay, it was hor- it was horrible, and it, and it happened and stuff. Until I found out one very looked over fact. Uh oh. That um, nobody talks about. Uh oh. The president had the fleet move there like a week before Pearl Harbor or a couple of weeks before Pearl Harbor actually happened. Nobody knows. I haven't heard exactly why he did. Um, but, you know, there, there's there's some belief that it could have been prevented had he not. You know. Well, eh, we did not want to get into World War Two. No, we didn't. Um, nobody wanted to get into World War Two. We felt like that was Europe's problem and their problem alone. And uh, the thing about it is, I've heard that, and I've I've heard that that was, uh, you know. Why did he do that? I I felt like um, hang on. Uh, that hurt. Yep, uh, <laughs> I bet it did. I felt like well, recovering from a fucking migraine. I feel like I've been run over by a truck in the first place, and then uh, having to sneeze didn't help any at all. But uh. Oh, where was that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so had I believed we wanted to get involved, I would buy into that. Like, okay, that was a setup. We put stuff there in perp. Um, Things to think about at the time, to put it in context historically. Uh, 
Hawaii was not a state yet. Um, Hawaii didn't become a state until 1959. Um, World War II ended in 45. Uh, we moved the fleet there. Uh, my understanding, because my my grandfather fought in the Pacific Theater, mm-hmm. so I've kind of I kind of heard different things over the years. Um, the fleet was moved there to hide it uh, because we felt like Japan was going to attack our west coast. Um, so we put the fleet there to hide it, but somehow Japan found out. Uh, Japan, the emperor of Japan at the time, did not want to attack the United States, not on our homeland. And um, when the general of his army asked why, he famously said, because behind every blade of grass is a gun. In other words, we wouldn't have a chance. Not only is their military going to fight us, but they're gonna, the people are going to fight us. We, don't, we have no chance. But when they caught wind that our fleet was in Hawaii, that wasn't our home turf. Hawaii didn't belong to us. It wasn't a territory. We had a good relationship with Hawaii, but it wasn't U.S. soil. So Japan wanted Hawaii, and I think, I personally think they didn't know our fleet was there. I think they attacked Pearl Harbor thinking that that was going to be their invasion, that was, uh, they were going to invade Hawaii. And that that was there when when the when the Japanese military came up on it, you know when they re when they sent the reconnaissance planes out and they realized our fleet was there. I think the plan kind of came in after the fact. After you know, I think the original plan was to just go ahead and occupy Hawaii, but then right when they were about to do that, they realized our fleet was there. And they got backtracked a little bit and said, oh, well, you know, American fleet's there. They know we're coming, so we're going to strike first. And um, the interesting thing about that from a tactical standpoint was they came in at sunrise. No, nobody could see the planes coming because of the sun. The sun was behind them. So uh, I don't really think there was as many attackers on Pearl Harbor as history dictates because nobody really saw the actual number. The sun blinded them. Like they came, you know, um, they came in on sunrise just after seven in the morning, struck Pearl Harbor. It happened so fast and then it was over with. We weren't ready for it because we, our fleet was just sitting there. Um, it was our Western fleet anyway. And we had no intention of getting... Get, golly. Sorry about that. We had no intention of getting involved. We were isolationists at the time. Our involvement in World War One was very minimal. We got in late and left early. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, All Quiet on the Western Front is one of my, it's one of my favorite movies about that. Because that's how the movie ends. Is when the United States got involved. But, um, and I look at World War One as basically 
a violent version of the European Union. You had five cousins fighting each other, essentially. You know, five empires, and it was a. It was so weird. World War One. You had horses fighting tanks, man. It was just. Um, so how does the French army go up against the Germans with fucking horses, man? Those horses got obliterated. Our army didn't get modernized until World War Two, and it happened quickly. I mean, we still had a cow, a horse drawn. I mean. Our cavalry was still horses up until World War II. I mean, we we didn't become the military might that we were, that we are now, in fact, until we got involved in World War II. And then it was like the attitude that we became the world's police. And I think, I understand why we did, even though I don't agree with it now. America's attitude was like, y'all people can't get along. We're going to put our foot down. And, that's uh, that's never going to stop, is it? I don't really think, but I think our attitude after World War II was like, you know, uh, we're the boss. You people can't get along. So you do what we tell you to do, or we're going to blow your ass up. Um, if the Germans don't do it, we're going to do it. Y'all behave. Shut the hell up. You, you know, and that's our attitude to this day. It's like if we get involved, it's like children are fighting. Mom and, you know, dad's got to get the belt out, you know. Mm-hmm. Part of me respects that as an American. I like that attitude because that's us. That, that 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 is the American spirit right there. It's like, you, you know, it's like we, we, have, we just like to fight. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've done it ever since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then there's another part of me that's like, you know, I'm really an isolationist. Unless it happens on our soil, we should really be bothered with it. Yeah. All our materials is go is leaving our all our raw materials leaving the country and going to other places. We're not helping yeah. ourselves. I mean <laughs> somebody's getting rich off this crap and it's not the American people. I mean, okay. Okay. That interesting you brought that up. You're aware of the drought out west, correct? Mm-hmm. It's not caused by global warming. I've been doing a lot of research on this and listening to locals who live out there talk about what the real problem is. The real problem is agriculture. Okay. They're out there in the deserts, they're growing alfalfa hay. All right. Alfalfa hay, alfalfa is a type of grass. Y'all know that. But what I didn't know about alfalfa or hay in general it's very water intensive. It, it 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 consumes a lot of water. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is fine and good. If this hay was 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 going to the local cattle or whatever, it was you know the cycle would feed itself, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But the locals aren't allowed to buy any of this alfalfa hay. It's all going overseas to China. At a very high price. So the higher, the more they're selling this alfalfa for overseas, the more they're growing, which constitutes them using more water. And that's where the drought's coming from. There's a documentary um, done by uh, 
one of Clinton's, uh, I think it was his, uh, his, one of his economic, either his economic advisor or his, um, his secretary of the treasury, something like that. I cannot remember the name of it, but it basically details how, um, China is, you know, become, was becoming a, a world power years and years for years, not just now. Like they've been doing it for years and they've been doing it on our backs. Since the fifties. Yeah. The, the, the three red banners, you know, mm-hmm. Biden's been a part of that. Why do you think he's got the three red stripes in his logo? It's been a plan of China that's been well known for a long time. China, they call it the 500 year plan. You know, they're playing the long game and they've been doing it for, you know, since the 50s. They know they can't win against us in a violent war, so they fought us on an economic front. They're taking over from the inside out. Called the Three Banners Initiative. If you look it up on Wikipedia, there's a lot of detail about it. Even though I'm not a big fan of the WIC, it does have some useful information. I feel the same way about YouTube. I'm not a big fan of YouTube, but if, if you dig around for the right specific thing, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so exactly. I feel the same way about all these other services, although some of them are better than others. BitChute. Um, I'm a Rumble fan myself, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I like the fact that there's competition. It's not much of a competition, but still. Um, that's, that's something that we don't have a lot of in this country. We don't have, we don't foster that competitiveness in our own society um, as much as we probably should. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Uh, what do you remember the name of the documentary at all? Uh, shoot, I saw it on Netflix years oh. ago. Um, I don't it's based Netflix, it's so. based on a book, but I cannot, I do not remember. Um, if I find it, I will tell you. But uh, I'm just curious. Uh. Sounds interesting to me. But it also details like um the the the, the uh income gap between men and women. Um I have opinions uh, on that. In, mm. I think it's like inequality for all or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, there's a lot of different factors. China was just one facet of it. Um but yeah, I, it was a very fascinating one of the few times that I've actually looked at something on Netflix and went, hmm, okay. Um, so, well, Netflix wasn't always bad. It, no. it, beca- it became that way, unfortunately. Well, there's there's still hope, which I think it was kind of inevitable once everybody else started getting into the market. You know, because there was a time when Netflix was the only, only service that in town. So mm-hmm. now everybody's into streaming. Will, so. William Shatner's another dude that does that pause thing that you remind me of. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I just had that vibe. Uh, <laughs> throw it up there. William Shatner. Well, that's wonderful. I really think yes. Yeah. Unique. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. You got it. You got it. How are we doing on time? We are one hour and 21 minutes. Nice. Um, so we talked about the music thing. I'm kind of, I don't know. I, I might pursue that a little bit. I, I'd like to have a little more. Um, I'd like to be at a point where I could play live. If, 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 you know, that's what I really want to do. Being on internet radio is cool and all, but at this point, I, I'd rather be a gigging musician. Um, just get paid per gig and do it as much or as little as I wanted to. And you're with a band, so there's that camaraderie there that you get, you know, instead Depending of me producing. Well, you, you and I, obviously, and, you know. I wouldn't be part of a band that was like, you know, like the Eagles, you know, it's Don Henley and Glenn Fry, and that's it, you know, well, that kind of would be us, but, um, I don't know, I wouldn't be part of anything negative, I know that, and it'd be my thing, so, I I definitely feel like I, I would need control over the project, you know. But it's interesting because uh, ten years ago, I never would have thought. Cause I don't do it for for that. I don't do it for you know. Uh, pursuing any kind of career or notoriety or anything like that, you know. But it's fascinating that it does garner the attention that it does, you know. Well, hey. It comes unexpectedly. I mean, I haven't done. Uh, I, I do uh, do artwork, as you know, and I haven't done a lot of that. Um, haven't put it out there as much. There's a few pieces floating around that people know about, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not many people see what I do. Um, in fact, almost nobody does. And that needs to change, I think. I mean, if you look at my art, a lot of it is like a kid drew it, you know, um, and, and and it just I always kind of felt feel um, self-conscious about that sort of thing. And the other thing is, too, I can't if somebody asked me to draw the same picture twice, I couldn't do it. Yeah, see that that doesn't really mean anything to me. That doesn't mean you're not. It doesn't mean you're more or less talented. It just, I mean, I can't play the same thing exactly as I've played it before. I can play it fairly close, but it, it's always, it's like a fingerprint. It's always going to be a little bit different every time I play it. Um, you know, yeah, I don't judge I- talent based on repetitiveness. You're not Andy Warhol. You know, Andy Warhol tried to turn art into retail and 
He's actually one of my favorite painters, but he's kind of a... Well, he was talented, but I just didn't agree with his philosophy. Um, Yeah. You know, mass-produce art, you know. It's kind of weird if you think about it. But yeah, I, I liked his art. I just didn't like the fact that... I didn't like his philosophy behind it, you know. It just felt weird to me. And I tried to find, you know, try to find modern, which is hard to hard to look into. You know, <clears throat> traditional, what kind of people paint today? I mean, you got, um, I mean, I the model we all grew up on, and to this day, I would love to, I want to learn how to paint like he does, or did. Um, Bob Ross, even though I'm not a big landscape painter, person, drawer, um, every time I watch him on, on, on public television or rerun, it's like, wow. And I know he learned it from somebody else. I know he learned it from, I forget the guy's name, but, uh, he just is, it was kind of mesmerizing the way he did things and you, and you would be like, how and then eventually um as you start watching more and more of doing more and more of his paintings he puts more trees in a painting than anybody i've ever seen in my life like the picture would be just beautiful and then he just put a huge tree right in the middle of the painting and you're like why I mean, I know why that, you know, because it pushes everything back as perspective. But um, it's he had thing he had to think about big trees. <laughs> um, now, me, I'm more of a um, just I focus on shape and the way things, you know kind of form together it's not necessarily oh i want to draw a tree or i want to draw a house or something like that it's just different um but that's me every everybody it's like music uh, it's very subjective what's what's not what's beautiful and interesting to one person may not necessarily be to another so Mhm. I as far as music goes, I I just play what I like, and somebody else happens to like that too, then that's fine. Well, I mean, you and I are—I mean, we share a similar taste in music, but we also share a lot of there's a lot of differences in music. I mean, I will listen to modern rock and modern um, jazz and stuff like that. Um tend to pick and choose the genres that I like. Um, so, and sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't, but that's what makes us unique as individuals. Not everybody likes the same thing all the time. So, um, where the fun part is, is when we come together and do music, how is it going to meld together, you know, the idea of how I sing and how you play? which is what we're trying to figure out now, which is very interesting. Um, I'm, I'm 
willing to go full steam ahead. Um, as we talked about offline, I mean, uh, I may not know exactly what to do, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. So, um, there's that. Have you watched any uh, interesting movies lately? No, I have not. Um, we've been passing. We've been talking about um, a couple of different ones, but I have not had a chance to fully sit down and and look at some of the things that we were talking about. Sugarland Express uh, for a while, mm-hmm. which I still haven't watched. Um, and then I started watching Over the Edge. That is very, uh, very unique because it's different. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of parallel to what's going on because you got. Uh, you know what it reminds me of, but more intense, way more intense. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. Suburbia. Mm-hmm. Is that the one with um the with the band that you always um, Circus of Power? Oh, that's the birds. <laughs> you, I don't have to say anything. You had that whole conversation to yourself just then. <laughs> oh, is that that band? Oh, no, that's the birds. Oh, yeah, Circus of Power. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, yes, no, yes, yes, no, yes. Um, now, Suburbia with... Uh, it's about these... Teenagers living in the suburbs who all think they have problems and they don't, and they're just hanging around talking about all their problems and shit. You know, that dude that talks like this is is in it. You know, he always seems like he's on drugs or something. You know? Yeah, like the the kid from Days to Confused. <laughs> no, the dude that was on um played Phoebe's brother on Friends. Giovanni Rossini or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not a huge friend of aficionado, but I know who you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> yeah, he's in there. And uh, yeah, but over the edge is basically like this this town that has there's nothing to do. There's there's no and the, all these kids are bored and they, they feel kind of let down by you know the town and stuff and they just go nuts um which kind of reminded me of what's going on now in terms of you had kids during covid and the lockdowns that had nothing to do and and they couldn't go you know go out and do things and and stuff and and then all of a sudden somebody comes along and gives them a cause right or wrong and they just sort of go nuts Yeah, man. I mean, it's like, hey, you, you, uh, you know, you're broke and you want to make some money. Here, go here, and I'll pay you X amount if you would just tear shit up. You know. Um, oh, you're talking about the riots. Yeah, I mean, that was part and, of it. That's Antifa stuff too. There's that. Man. Well, there was Antifa, and there was the other or other organizations, which there's, you know. <clears throat> I wonder if that stuff ever stops. I wonder if you ever, you know, get rid of the, 
the element that's you know because we didn't used to be like this or at least um, it wasn't so obvious about schools i think is where it started and uh the kids grew up got out of school and took that to the real world and here we are woke <laughs> woke yeah um I would love to be a fly on the wall, like walk into one of these, you know, these chain fast food restaurants. Cause I bet there's like some kid back there going, you know, they don't treat us very well. We should own part of the company. And, and I'm talking about Noodle have, Boy. Yeah. We should have, a, we should have a say, you know, like, <laughs> okay. You're talking about and, Noodle Boy. Yeah. Um, I still did. I wonder if that's like an isolated thing or if there's a lot of people that, you know. No, it's not isolated, dude. <laughs> I mean, it just. Ba-ding. Is that me or you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just there's just different cultural things now that I'm just kind of picking up on. It's been this way for a while, but it's really I'm really starting to notice. Um, like you don't know anything, so what makes you think you can, you know, <laughs> you know better than anybody else? These these kids that think they're smart because they saw something on the internet. Or they watched a YouTube video, or uh, they talk to their friends like, "Hey, man, yeah." It's like, okay, yeah, man. (laughs) So this little computer that you got, yeah. What about it? It um. It is a Belkin uh, B. It's a Belkin computer. I don't know the exact model number. So is it like a router or something? No, it's a um, it's a fully functioning small PC. It's about the size of a. Trying to think, like a small mat. Small box of matches. That small for real? Like yeah, you well, I'm this talking, in your I'm pocket. Talking like, yeah, I could put it in my pocket. It'd be bulky, wow. but I could put it in my pocket. Yeah. So basically, like the size of a small book. Um. Or small. Yeah, except, it, except it's square. It's. Um. There's. It's not. So. About the size of my Roku then. Yeah, about that. Um, and it has like four gigs of RAM, a 256 gig hard drive, SSD, I should say. Um, micro, uh, it has uh, two USB ports on the front, two USB ports on the back, a um, couple of different uh like two or three hdmi ports 
And it comes preloaded with Windows 11, so this is going to be... I have not played with Windows in a while. Um, I've been a Mac guy for several years now. Uh, but I'm going to put this together, and I'm going to see, you know, if uh, what it does, and maybe turn it into a... Uh, did you Hopefully get this just because it was cute, or did you have something in mind when, when you bought it? I want to turn it into an FTP server mm-hmm. so that I can share files with across my network and over the internet um, with you and whoever. Um, the only problem, the only limitation is going to be that I only have have two external hard drives, and that's basically going to be the storage. Mm-hmm. Um, I need um, I I need a multi bay dock at this point. Um, because mm-hmm. uh, you know that I use hard drives like thumb drives. Um, mm-hmm. and I like that because you know I've got a bunch of hard drives and they're just sitting around. Um, but having to swap them out. Um, cause I've got this, uh, flyer that I've made and I, I'm beginning to think that I put it on one of my hard drives, <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's, that's also why God I invested in a labeler. Well, I don't like the label stuff because it's not permanent, you know, that drives, I'm, I, it may get erased or the stuff get moved off of it and something else get put on it. Well, pull so, the sticker off. Wow, oh, that's, that's bullshit. <laughs> now, I have a case. I have a hard case sitting in my closet that holds about, I don't know, half a dozen hard drives mm. um, that I keep around just for backup purposes. So, like, if something goes wrong i have a backup of my music i have a backup of my photos because it's happened to me way too many times where you know i'll be messing around with stuff or something will happen my computer and or a drive will fail and my data will get nuked because i didn't have it you know have an exact copy somewhere else um and i'm kind of the if you and you know how this is you know when you're the computer guy in the house and you, you're you're the only one that knows, you know how to do things. Um, everybody else looks to you like, how do I fix this? Or where where's this? Even though it's data that they will never look at, they just it's on our. My mom's big thing is photos. And she thinks like, oh, just put all our photos on CDs and we'll we'll have them. Okay, optical media degrades. <laughs> Especially if you just throw it in a drawer and forget about it for 20 years. Um, and uh, we have so many photos that it would take like several spool, several uh, uh, excuse me, uh, big uh, spindles of CDs. Uh, those rewritable CDs, which nobody uses anymore. It's amazing how that works. 
Um, because I remember we used to buy those in bulk. <laughs> um, I miss my light scribe um, burner. Mm-hmm. That uh, that was the handiest. Speaking of labels, mm-hmm. that was the handiest, dandiest thing. Uh, I mean, that was just handy. Well, now we're back to Sharpies. So, um, but yeah, but I've also done research on how to do, like one of my drives is completely encrypted. One of my external drives. Yeah, so, I hope you don't forget the password to that thing. No, I won't. Says, um, says you. It's a backup drive, basically. So, I have a copy one of them's encrypted, the other one's not. So mm-hmm. I don't. So know why is one encrypted and one? Basically, what happened was that um, I have all my movie. I have I collect um, movies, Blu-rays, DVDs, mm-hmm. whatever, TV mm-hmm. shows, and uh, I have a habit of you know some of my CDs don't get scratched or my my media i will put mm-hmm. them on my computer and i will back them up to a hard drive and i use plex mm-hmm. to keep track of all my so i can watch all my fun movies whenever i want to mm-hmm. well one day i'm messing around and the the folder where i have all my plex stuff it doesn't want to play play nice anymore plex doesn't want to pick it up mm-hmm. Won't work, and it's not because of the encryption. I don't think. I just think the folder got messed up somehow. Um, I mean, it's not like it's very sophisticated. It's whatever Apple uses. But um, so I I went and I made a backup copy of that entire drive because it has all my music and, and and other things on my iTunes, um, which I have a love-hate relationship with iTunes. <laughs> um, the only reason I keep it around is because it organizes shit a little bit better than I do. So, mm. um, But yeah, I if you only have one copy and it's in one place, it's not backed up. Oh, is that true? Yeah. So... I mean, you remember when you back when you had your server, we had copy. I had copies of stuff in a folder on your server, and this is kind of what I'm trying to recreate. Um, it would ideally it would have been better if I had gotten a, um, a NAS, but those are like prohibitively expensive. The unit itself is not so bad, but the drives, like decent NAS drives, are somewhere between 300 and 400 dollars a pop. You're talking about 5 bays. 5 to 4 bays. So that's a, that's a pretty decent computer or a really good and really nice guitar um put in in perspective, I mean, not a really good guitar but pretty decent. Like a thousand over a thousand dollars. Um, and I just wanted to make something to where people could access, you know, the family can access things. 
Uh, we can access things for the show, things that we do, we talk about, because um, we're doing like really con. You know, we're we're sharing things back and forth through zip files, um, and Dropbox, which is another thing that pisses me off. I'm all for two-factor authentication, but when I can't get in, like, I don't, it's not like I don't know my password or anything. It just won't let me in because I can't get the code to get, to bypass two-factor authentication, which makes no sense. Um, I'm sure there are ways to get around this, but I haven't. I don't know what they are. Um, it's a good thing I don't keep anything in there of significant value. <laughs> um, I feel that um, I, I don't know. Part of me feels like um, like I don't run any antivirus software on my computer anymore. Neither do I. I I've just felt I've had more coming out of the tech, you know, PC tech world, IT world. I found that antivirus software has caused more problems than it prevented, and in my own experience, it just gets in the way. Um, plus, the operating systems I use aren't prone to viruses and malware to begin with. Um, so they're. Well, you and I haven't. We don't talk about it very much, but I mean, for years, like, not everybody wants to know, you know, like how how to be, you know, um, vigilant online. Or, well, the fact that not everybody wants to be a computer tech used to bother the shit out of you when we were younger. Used to get so mad at people for not wanting to learn how to use a computer. And I mean, somebody that was they, in that world, from somebody in that world, I understood completely the attitude that people have. And Little did I know at the time I would eventually adopt that attitude because at this point in my life, I could live without a cell phone. I could live without a computer. My dream is just solitude. I crave it. Like some people have a craving for chocolate. I crave solitude. And that puts a lot of people off. I push you off at times because you feel like, well, what about me, man? We're best friends. What are you going to do with me? And uh, I understand that, too, because, you know, there are times where you're a part of that equation, you know, not for not through anything you've done. It's your fault. It's just you breathe air. And uh, that's thanks. That's, man. That's, Appreciate that's, uh, Well, that's not your fault. It's, it's that's really uh, really the attitude of everybody becomes annoying to me at some point. Everybody, there's no exception to this. That that is why I have adopted the and, the, the uh, philosophy of at various points. That's why I don't like. Yeah. I mean, you go out of your way to annoy me at times, but I will just like. 
I do, I do, and for several reasons. I'm gonna get serious here for a minute because I feel like a lot of people that know us think that I'm just a bully to you and a complete asshole. And I am, and there's a point in time where I felt bad about that, and I tried to not be that way. To your chagrin, ultimately, um, which we may or may not get into. Uh, no, you can you can you can give them bullet points, but I would. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because it's it's just you know we can go on and on about it. There's 30 years of friendship here we we could cover. But my point has always been that, um, first of all, you were born with a disability. And I've never had any friends um, with a severe disability. Um, so I didn't know you were supposed to treat them any differently. Okay, I'm being sarcastic, obviously. But... Um, People feel like you should be treated differently because you're disabled. Um, I, I've remained pleasantly ignorant of that, and I treat you like I would treat anyone. I give my dad hell. I mean, and I love my dad to death, and I feared my dad most of my life. I still give him shit all the time. I Me and my sister both. You know, my sister get on my dad, he'll leave the room. <laughs> we'll, we'll just start making fun. Like, he's got this bad habit. He's got this bad habit that drives everyone absolute crazy, and he denies that he does it. But if he makes a sandwich, he'll get the bread out, leave the bread open, won't seal the bread back up. He'll leave the mayonnaise or whatever condiment, usually mayonnaise, he'll leave it open with the lid off, and the knife on top of the jar. I'll leave it. And uh, he swears he doesn't do this. But he, everybody in the house knows that he does. But he swears he don't. He gets a bowl of cereal. He'll leave the milk out with the lid off of it. The cereal out and open. And he'll leave and he'll go eat the cereal. And he'll leave it up to somebody else to put the shit back. <laughs> swears to God he doesn't do this. But every time it happens, me and my sister give him all kinds of shit. Because it's usually... My mom's gotten to the point where she knows who the culprit is. Um, but there for a long time, she just thought everybody did. You know, she didn't realize it was just one guilty person, you know. So, yeah. Um, back to my point, though. My point is, that's just... I give everybody hell. And when it comes to you, um, well, I got used to it. I just feel like, well, you did. Apparently, you didn't know you got used to it because I stopped for a long time. I didn't because, yeah, when you stopped, it was like, this is weird. And then one day, you just, just, we got into this argument for no reason. Like, you were like, and I didn't, I mean, you know, you just thought that some had come between us as friends. And it finally came out. You finally wanted to know what the hell was going on. And I didn't realize that it was, you know, I thought it was what you wanted, you know. But I had stopped and you thought that, you know, you had made me mad or we weren't as close or something. And you were like, you know, you used to pick on me and... You stop doing that, and it just feels like there's something wrong here, and you know. 
Yeah, that's what I explained to you. Like for a long time, I I felt like that's not what you wanted, and I honestly tried not to do that, you know. And um, so it is what it is. We we worked it out. We had a talk. We we figured it out. Uh, so the thing is, um, back to the serious note. People on the outside of our friendship think of me as a bully. They always side with Gio. Oh, poor Gio. Well, why do you treat him that way? Why are you such an asshole to him? He doesn't deserve I hear it all. Okay. And I tell them. I tell them the truth. I say, you know, um, I think Gio prefers me treat him like I treat everybody else. Whether, whether that's, no matter how that is, you don't want to be treated any differently than I would treat somebody else. And uh, I feel like that I should treat you like I treat everybody else because why not? Um, why should I? Can you are already aware of your situation. You know th- that you're different. You know that you can't do a lot of things that other people do. You don't need me as your best friend to constantly remind you of that by treating you like you're in a bubble. Or some kind of box or that you somehow are delicate you're a pretty tough cookie man you put up with me for almost 30 years man and that's not easy to do i'm no day at the beach man um and i know this and i don't try to be that way but there's aspects of my personality that just dictate uh, me behaving a certain way being introverted is one of the and i'm off the scale introverted like I really have to work at friendships. I really have to put an effort in. Um. Otherwise, I just don't care. And uh, it's not that I don't care about you. I just don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, I don't know. I think that I look at parties and stuff, and uh, it's almost disgust. It's like. The cesspool of these individuals. What was the point of them faking small talk? And what's the point? You know, nothing's being accomplished at a party. Nothing productive. You know, I could get more done being at home reading a book. I mean, you, you know. So friendships, you know, I really, really have to work at. So the fact that I've kept a friend for 30 years. I feel like that's one of my greatest accomplishments because m- most of the time they get pushed to the side just so, for the natural la- course. Ladies of and gentlemen, if there is such a thing as a is a uh, card carrying member of, of Bug Circle, I earned that shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exaggerations notwithstanding. Uh, then there, there is the fact that, that not many people know this, but I do have – most people know the, the, the classic form of OCD where you're a neat freak and everything's got to be in the order and, you know, this and that. I have another form of it, and it's more of a chaotic form. And it does – I do have that things have to be in a particular kind of way OCD. But it's not readily evident, you, you know, because I don't have meat freak, germ phobia, classic OCD kind of thing. 
but I have I have obsessive I'm obsessive and I am compulsive about other things in my life you, you, you know and that can be hard to live with because I will do things that just make no sense to other people and they're not meant to but they're my things like like you and I talk about it from time to time my weird food rules you know um which part of my problem with your mayonnaise and ketchup is they don't conf- they don't conform to my food rules. Now, if you like it, that's fine. It's good for you. But I couldn't. I I can't think of having my food touch each other like on a like on a plate. You know. And my mom's been on my case ever since I can remember because I'll get a separate bowl for every side dish be a bowl for the main or a plate for the main course there'll be a bowl for the salad there'll be a where like tonight we had spaghetti and salad spaghetti went in one bowl salad went in another bowl two bowls cannot touch each other and uh which you know spaghetti kind of makes sense but that's with everything if it's if it's mashed if it's mashed potatoes and, and salisbury steak um the mashed potatoes can't touch the steak if i have any salisbury steak under my mashed potatoes or everything it gets scooted out to the side and doesn't get eaten so just weird stuff like that you know and uh i'm aware of it that's the thing i'm aware of but i don't care it's my thing i'm not bothering anybody it's like for a long time people tell me how to eat you know it's like, man, it ain't like like I like a steak well done. I don't want any pink in my steak. I'm sorry. It's not done unless it's well done. I will tell the waitress at a restaurant to turn it into charcoal before I see anything pink. And uh, even you and I have gotten into these discussions. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and, I cringe every time. Like I used to eat mine. At my medium, point, you know, I used to eat mine medium well. You know, and, and somebody like finally my dad goes, I don't know why you don't just order yours medium rare, you know, which medium medium well is always just a little bit of pink. It's not like it's just before being well done. Um, and finally, I just went, you know what? That's probably a good idea um, to be medium rare uh, to me, because to me, if you if like a if you make have a steak well done you might as well have hamburger i mean <laughs> nothing wrong with a hamburger nothing wrong with a hamburger but it's a steak mm. yeah and, and, and it's my, mine to, to my to my it's my steak interpretation like, how is my steak okay how is my steak affecting your appetite is it going in your mouth <laughs> No, it's just it's like I drink. I drink my coffee black, and that bothers people. I've had arguments in the break room at work over how I drink my coffee. Are you drinking this shit? Am I forcing it down your throat? Oh, I know. How I is the way drink. I drink my coffee bothering anybody? I drink a lot. I drink a lot. Uh, I know lots of people that drink theirs black. Most people do. I mean, I'm. I had I've had somebody tell me that I'm going straight to hell for for eating a well done steak. Wow! It is a sacri- it, it, it is an unforgivable sin. Okay, okay. Um, to eat a well done. I, I I give you crap about this, but I'm not going to tell you that. 
That's kind of harsh. I've 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 been in arguments with people and wasted more time about me eating well. It's my I'm eating it. It's gonna get shat out one way or another, whether it's 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 well done or it's coming out dark brown either way. So what does it matter how it goes in? It's my mouth, my taste buds, my toilet, my toilet paper. Um uh, it does. It doesn't more affect more information than you really want to know, ladies and gentlemen. But here it is. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just keeping it real because at the end of the day, it doesn't. It's the libertarian in you. It doesn't affect anybody else, and the fact that it bothers so many people is mind-boggling to me. How does something I do affect anybody else's life, unless like? I killed your family member, your pet dog or something. Just eating a steak the way I like to eat a steak. Salt, pepper, nothing else. Well done. That's the way I like it. I like the way that tastes. I like that texture of it. I'm happy with a well done steak. I've seen enough documentaries about mad cow disease where I'm like, no, thank you. Cow disease, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, go look it up, man. It ain't pleasant. I never said it was. Um, so I don't understand the point of arguing with somebody. I've never had an argument about somebody eating their steaks medium rare or rare or fucking raw. I mean, if that's <laughs> well, what they want to if do. It's, if, if it's rare, uh, you might as well say raw. <laughs> I've never, I never saw a problem with how somebody else ate their steak or drank their coffee. For I that mean, I, I get it now. But me, argument. me, it's a problem. Me is somehow people can't sleep at night knowing that I eat a well done steak. Man, it keeps people up awake. They left church over it. I mean, no. it's like <laughs> I don't but, understand. But the coffee argument is is fascinating to me because my dad drinks that way. I, ju- I okay. have had a prog- I have had a progression with coffee. Didn't used to, I wasn't a coffee drinker until I got probably in my late twenties, mid thirties. Um, and it has progressed to from two sugars and cream to just cream. Now, does that mean that eventually it will evolve into straight black? I, excuse me, I don't know. It's a possibility. Now, I've seen some of this stuff, like, I've seen your dad's coffee. Your dad's coffee, the spoon stains straight up in it. <laughs> Which, uh, I'm kind of like, uh, that's not coffee, that's motor oil. Well, that's the school of coffee I come from. If you turn the cup upside down and a fist forms and punches you in the face and it goes back up into the cup, that that's a legit cup of coffee. Now, because, you know, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Now, uh, you and I have had a discussion about you were talking about you wanted to get a coffee and you like brew it for like how I forget how long you said. Cold brew. Yeah, cold brew. Um, Mm hmm. Now, I didn't think about this, but, like, 
most most coffee, if you look at it, it's burnt, basically. And you add stuff to it so you don't taste the burnt. Um, so I'm kind of curious about this cold brew thing. Um, whether that takes the bitterness out of it. Because um, that's one of the reasons why I don't didn't like coffee originally. And I still, to this day, don't understand iced coffee. Like... Basically, you want the caffeine, but you don't want don't want a hot hot beverage. Um, it's like tea. You can drink tea both ways. What's the difference? Yeah, which I, I haven't gotten. Uh, I like certain types of tea. I've tried black tea hot. It just something about it just don't. Maybe You're weird. Maybe but, if I try uh, maybe if I try English tea, it's different or something. I don't know. Yeah, see, that's going to keep me up at night, how you drink your tea. That's going <laughs> to... Why? It's just, just going to bother me to death, man. Well, I, I mean, like, um, I drink... Most of the time, I drink Milo's, so... Uh, if uh, if I'm with... If I'm visiting somebody, it's kind of weird, because uh, most of my friends will have Milo's on hand if they know I wouldn't be around. But when I'm at home, I usually brew my own tea. Yeah, we talked about it last episode. And I've had some of your tea. It's not... Um, it's a process. It is a process. I like it. I have, I don't, di- I have a slightly different process now. But. I mean, I don't know that I want to try... I know you put a little bit of milk in yours. Um, I don't remember if I've tried it that way or not. Um, but I've seen that in movies and stuff. But usually that's hot tea that, you know, they put... You put the milk in or whatever. Um, again. And sugar. Again. Doesn't um, bother anybody else. No, well, I know. I mean, I've, yeah, it's one of those things that I've always been curious about. I just never, I've, I mean, being from the, being raised in the South most of my life, we just all drank, we just always drank iced tea, you know. Um, my my unique way of drinking iced tea has nothing to do with geographic location. It is a weird niche uniquely to me. Everybody thinks that's strange, no matter what side of the Mason Dixon line I'm on. So I that actually, has nothing to do. I don't find it strange. It's unique, yes, but I don't. Uh, it's one of the things I don't push back on with you because it's like a. You like milk in your tea, okay. You like, you know, um, it's a process, okay. It's a little involved, but if that's the way you want to, now, that's cool enough. Now, other things like your, I can't explain the steak thing to you. I, I really can't. It's just. I've lost friends over it. <laughs> it's like, um, well, they, apparently they weren't friends to begin with. Oh, the steak bothered me. Wow. What is that conversation like? I can't be friends with you anymore. You eat your steak wrong. No, when when you when you're in the middle like you know, like when we worked four to one at uh Lowe's, mm-hmm. we would all we took our lunch at eleven and we'd all go together as a group. And uh you know, sometimes we ate well when we went out to lunch. You know, we got paid pretty decent. And um, sometimes we'd have a steak. Uh, 
And when it came time for me to order my steak, it became a problem with the whole team because uh, I fucked up and ordered it well done. Little did I know that that was going to cause a a ripple in the space-time continuum. I mean, my God. I didn't know I was sharing my steak with four or five other people. I mean, you know, should we have gone to the Chinese place and, and eat shit that we don't know where it came from or... Can I just have a well done steak? I mean, uh, that's wow. Okay. Um, and it's not just it. I mean, it, every time it comes up, it's an argument with somebody. If I'm just talking about it, well, how do you like your steak? Well, it's like politics, man. I'll better not tell them who you voted for because you're going to hear about it. And because you have racist stamped on Yeah, I'm racist because I ordered a steak well done. Now, I didn't ever run into that particular problem as far as politics are concerned until, like, I, I went over to my aunt and uncle's house one night. And this is back when Obama was president. And you and I, you know, you and I kind of like, oh, Obama is great. You know, he's going to do a lot of good shit. Little do, did we know. A lot of promises. Yeah, a lot of promises. But it was, this is back when I thought things were, uh, you know, I, I was getting into this. I thought, you know. And my aunt, I literally walked in the door one day. And we get mm-hmm. to talking and she's like, I just want to know who you voted for. And I'm going, first of all, it's none of your business. It really isn't. That's kind of rude. Second of all, I'm like, and I wasn't shy about it, Obama, you know. Um, but it just, it was like, uh, I, I can't explain it. I mean, I love my aunt and uncle to death. Um, but um, we just have, and now we're kind of back on the same page because we all see what's going on and we're like, and I kind of, you know, I don't look at the, I don't well, look at things the way everybody else does. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just see things for what they are now. Um, once my eyes were opened, thank, I thank Obama for a lot of that. Um, you know, and. I just boil politics down to one thing. One thing is important to me. And that's the Constitution. And my rights. If you violate my rights. And you're not following the Constitution. I don't care what party you belong to. I don't care who who you. I don't care. And a lot of people disagree with this. I don't see how you can. But a lot of people do. Because they believe what they're told and they don't do their own research but first of all count on nobody that's what they count on nobody does their own nobody looks at this stuff we do first 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 of all president trump was the first person to run for president who made campaign promises and actually kept them and uh whether you agree with those promises or not to me is irrelevant the the very fact that he kept his word obama didn't even give us that um there's gonna be a lot of people that say no you didn't no but he really did if if you really are fair about it and take your personal feelings away from it uh you'll see that he was very very successful in keeping those promises um 
our border problem was every everybody's was pretty much solved at that point. Um, the border wall, the border was being, you know, the wall. When he when he said build a wall, it, it was metaphorical. Not a lot of people understand that. It's, of course, it's not just a wall that's going to keep people out. But it was metaphorical. It was a simple way to explain border security to people that don't, don't understand the complexities of it. And that's one thing Trump did really well, does really well, is he speaks commoner's language. And your, your college-educated progressives don't speak commoner's language very well because they don't, they don't take us blue-collar people very seriously. That's another reason why I flipped. Because I'm proud of my background. I'm proud of where I came from. And I don't necessarily think that a college education is the greatest thing to possess. Um, being intelligent, being smart, yes. Being college education educated does not necessarily mean you're smart. Um, another thing is what, what Trump did that no other president has done is he created peace in the Middle East. You know, um, he tried to get us out of Afghanistan. The warmongers wouldn't, sorry about that. Uh, We always do the show late. Um, and I'm recovering from a migraine that I had yesterday, so uh, bear with me. Um, six peace treaties in the Middle East and an ultimatum to Saudi Arabia. Not many people know about the ultimatum to Saudi Arabia. Trump took office right around this new prince, took leadership of Saudi Arabia. And one of the things, this new leader, I forget his name, I, I probably couldn't pronounce it anyway. But this guy, the guy that killed Shoshogi, and I'm, I'm of the mind that Shoshogi kind of had what he had coming. Why in the hell did you leave the country if you knew these people were after you? I mean, you should have just stayed in the United States where you were safe. You, you dumbass, went anyway, knowing they wanted you. So I don't understand that. But anyway, this new guy, um at the time wanted Saudi Arabia's national oil company to be traded on the stock exchange, uh, the New York stock exchange to be precise. So Trump gave him an ultimatum said, Hey, you clean up your, your yard, you straighten up the middle East, and then we'll talk about trading on the New York stock exchange. And uh, lo and behold, he cleaned house. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the corrupt politicians and stuff disappeared, ironically. And uh, they worked with Israel to get these peace treaties signed. One of the six peace treaties in the Middle East that Trump um, facilitated was between Israel and Saudi Arabia. That to me is really important. That that's that's actions over words, and uh, actions to me speak louder than words do. 
So regardless what mean tweets he said, it's what he did as president that really um, impressed me because he he really did as an inexperienced politician, experienced businessman, but as a politician, inexperienced. Um, the only thing he knew to do was to follow the Constitution. Um, and that's fine with me. And everything going on around him in the world um, didn't align with that. Again, it's fine with me that he wanted to straighten it out. Bothered a lot of people because you're affecting their pocketbooks. You know, you start interfering with people's money, they're going to get pissy. And that's what it's all about. Bullet, even I knew Obama was going to get elected, whether I voted for him or not. I remember having a conversation with several people. He raised the most money. Okay, that's how I know a lot of things are going to happen in November because uh, a lot of the left right now are struggling financially. And Americans speak with their checkbooks, you know. Even when we don't vote, we speak with our checkbooks. Who we donate money to is where we put our faith. And um, it's not about greed when I say follow the money. It's support. Like, I put $100 towards Trump's 2020 campaign. Now, that's... I never put money towards anybody's campaign ever in my life, but that $100 was a show of faith. I'm putting money on this. You know, I'm investing in this. It's not about greed. It's not about, you know, it's Americans' show of faith. That's how we do it. You know, we support somebody, we throw money at them. Because you can get a lot of things done in America with money. And Trump, when he won... He affected a lot of people's money trends, especially in relationship with China. You know, there's a lot of people in Washington right now making a lot of money off of China, and they're making a lot of money off of the Ukraine situation. And um, Taiwan, even Taiwan, you know, that's the whole reason why Pelosi's interested in Taiwan, and that's why we're making a big stink. And uh, I'm of the belief that Taiwan is part of China. Um, historically, it always has been. Um, I'm all about independence. I'm not for imperialism. But um, we should cut Hawaii loose in Alaska if we have a problem with China and Taiwan. You know what I mean? We're not giving Hawaii up. We're not giving Alaska up. What's the difference between... Taiwan belonging to China. There is no difference. It's just the powers that be in Washington have financial interests there. There's no money in Alaska. There's no money in Hawaii. So, you know, the money is in Taiwan. That's where all your electronics are manufactured. Hard drives. All the hard drive manufacturers are in Taiwan. All your chip manufacturers are in Taiwan. You know, um... So they're invested, and that's why they don't want China in their business, you know. Trump is not an oil guy either, okay? That's why gasoline was so cheap when Trump was off. He wouldn't make any money off the oil, nor did he want to. He's a real estate guy. That's why he wanted to buy Greenland. And, uh, shit, I'd been okay with that, you know. We'd do a lot better for Greenland than they're doing for themselves. 
you know, um, Hawaii's doing okay. Alaska's doing okay. And uh, Puerto Rico would love for us to annex them as a state. Um, but you know, no, uh, I, I'm, I'm, as I've said before, with all these green policies, I mean, they want us to get a, get us off oil independence. Okay. Get us off foreign oil independence. We had that under Trump. Well, that, yeah, that's another thing under Trump. We, we had our own oil surplus of it. And he stockpiled a lot. He stockpiled a lot of it in reserve when it was cheap. He bought a lot of it on the open market to put into our reserves when it was cheap and saved us a lot of money in doing so. Only to have it undone. Yep. So Whichever it's hard pre- for me to be some. Yeah. <clears throat> every president, every president does that. Like, there's always one or two things that. This is probably the first guy in like a, and and the only reason Biden's doing what he's doing is because he doesn't want they don't want Trump in. They they are so scared that Trump. I mean that's why all this crap's happening is they are so scared that he's going to get reelected, and then all their all their play toys go away. All their all their money. The money. The money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh. And the money they make, Trump doesn't have an interest in. So he's not hurting himself by by bringing it down. You know, he's made his money other ways. And he's fought politicians his whole life. So he's never, you know, he doesn't have any established revenue stream through Washington. So he doesn't mind if the people want it. He doesn't mind tearing it down because it doesn't affect him at all. And it makes us happy. And at the end of the day, regardless of his motives, he really loved making people, us, his supporters, happy. He gets, call it narcissism, whatever. He gets a charge out of that. And that's fine because we get what we want, you know? Uh, Who cares why he wants to make the people happy? The fact that he does and makes an effort to uh, is fine by me. I mean, as long as he he follows the rule of law and, you know, he's not corrupt. Okay. Agreed. And we are almost to the three-hour mark here, I think. So you want to do some... uh, yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> uh, I know we keep saying this. I need to put some sort of mechanism together so you can support us. We really do need the support um, so we can make the show better and make it more interesting. Um, the the computer that we were just talking about is part of that. <clears throat> At least I hope it will be. And I want to make it better. You know, I want to build some infrastructure, put stuff together. I just um, got into the Mastodon uh, game. Um, Haven't quite figured it out yet, but it is very interesting. Uh, And I'd I'd like to run a server, our own server one day, so that uh, other people can talk about things and talk to us and... um, but in order to do that, we need some support. It doesn't have to be 
you know, a whole lot. You can donate five dollars. Um, I will set up a. I need to set up an email address, or um, you can reach out to myself um, or or Bug. Um, is there an email address you want to give? Um, you can reach out to me at go three six five at um, gmail dot com, and I will uh, put you in touch with our. Uh, you can donate to us through PayPal or or however you want to do it. Um, but we really, whatever value you get out of this show, whether it's just you know, for laughs or you get some sort of, an, you know, information out of it, donate how you feel. If it's nothing, if you can just donate um, a story or time or, or uh, you know, get in touch with us. You know, if, if there's, you know, if you want to help us out, you know, we, we want other people to 